Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan Jones. I'm your host, and I'm joined as usual with Roy. Hello. Ah, uh, God, it's been it's been a week. It's been a week. Uh, we had to skip last week. I was out of town uh, for my brother-in-law's big birthday, uh, turning 60. Uh, 60's big deal. He's kind of a big deal. I won't go too in depth, but uh, it was three days and four parties. That's how big of a deal he is. Wow. Yeah, out in Connecticut. So um, we had to skip next week, and God, you know, I just. I was away from baseball. I you know, watched a little bit on my phone, but we were just so busy with doing stuff that uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't watch any games. We watched a little bit of the Padre game, but there it's like ten thirty. Even, even though it's you know we haven't been there long enough for for the for the hour difference to really make a difference. But that ten thirty out there, I was like, all right, it's time to go to bed. And we watched a little bit of the Padre game, but uh, just really chosen for baseball. So. I got a lot written down here. We got a lot of prep. We got a lot of stuff to go through. I uh, will try to keep it to uh, um, you know just to the bare minimum. You know, I guess so. Um, you know, being on the East Coast, can you see why there's the West Coast, the East Coast bias? Because you have to stay up so late to watch yeah. games on the West Coast. Yeah, the, the poor guys at MLB are, are up till one, two o'clock broadcasting. Yeah, so who's going to stay up that late watching the Padres play the Marlins? Uh, probably not. No, <laughs> no one. Mm-hmm. Um. So I wanted to start out with uh, this last Tuesday was the Texas League All-Star Game. Um, Tatis and Logan Allen were elected and were set to go, but the, the organization wanted to keep them, wanted to give them some time off. So they didn't even attend. Yeah, Tatis was leading the league in games played that first half. And I think Logan Allen was still recovering. He rolled an ankle when he was out shagging <laughs> fly balls in the outfield before a game. So he was out the, for, uh, for a couple weeks. Yeah, the outfield shagger. Yes. Um, but uh, Josh Nellett had a big game, though. Hit the HR. I think it was a game-tying HR. Austin Allen went for one with a base on balls. Uh, Ty France went for three. The missions kind of showed up, you but know. But Ty France didn't get hit by a pitch in the game. No, but we have that down here later on. He did get hit this <laughs> early this week. I hit for the 22nd time. He's seriously, he's the Craig Biggio of the, the Padres organization. Yeah, but when you're at the All-Star game, shouldn't you be showing off your your right. your best you're, skill? You're. So Naylor hitting the bomb, you know, Lesher <laughs> going out there and throwing some good innings. And Ty France landing into one. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and, and Michael Gaddis, he went 0 for 1. Jerry Keel with an innings pitch, two hits. He got one earned run. And Rowan Wick with just the innings pitch and a hit. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Uh, the mission's, you know, making a good show of it. Did you see the video of Naylor hitting his home run? He kind of pimped Dude. it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he must have just got a hold of it because he stopped, dropped the bat, and just kind of watched it for a second. And and I can appreciate that. You know, I, I don't like that. For an all-star game, absolutely. Sit there, pimp the pitch, mm-hmm. pimp the hit. It's an exhibition. Right. It's an exhibition game. It, it, you know, you're playing against the best guys in your league. Uh, you don't need to do that in the middle of a season. No, and he doesn't. Right, he doesn't do that. He's a humble guy. It's just when you're you know, you're putting on a show, have some fun with it. I love that. Yeah, it's the it's the all star game. It's like John Cruck putting on the backwards helmet. <laughs> um, so that's Texas League. Uh, that's the all star game for the Texas League. Yeah, I was going to talk about the the a, last week we had the A ball you know for four the Midwest League all star game and the Cal League all star game. But it just I'm sure you guys have heard about it. Um, more home pitched for uh, for the Cal League. Um, God, I can't remember who I, I had the notes, but I, I got rid of them. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to pass that on. Um, in other news, we finally did you see the tweet of Grant Little making that catch in the World Series? Yes, the guy's an athlete. It's so nice to see guys do well. So where's he going to play? So Grant Little signed. That's that's right. what you're getting at. Exactly. Grant Little signed. I get a little ahead of myself. The second round draftee. 
800,000. He's the 74th pick. His his value was 812. Uh, so we got him just a little bit under uh, slot selection. Uh, advanced bat. He has gap power. He's a solid runner. You know, he's everything you want in an outfielder. Yeah. Um, so, but is he going to, they don't know if he's going to be an outfielder though. He, he's going to play some second base. He's going to play some third. He can play corner outfield positions. Really? So really he kind of plays all over the place. That would be kind of nice if we turn him into a super utility guy, kind of like a Ben Zorbrist. That would be, that would be really cool. Um, so he wasn't able to sign until Texas Tech was eliminated in the NCAA College World Series. And there is another player. Uh, I'm looking it up here. Uh, Jose Cazada. Oh, I see right here that he just signed, finally. Woo-hoo! So the 10th round draft pick was Jose Quezada. Um, he's a pitcher, right-handed pitcher. Um, and when I checked earlier today, they didn't show that he'd signed, but now he's signed for $5,000. Um, so now that I've got this up in front of me, sorry to skip out of order. No, we're all good. They've saved a bunch of money. So the 8th, 9th, and 10th pick rounds all signed for $5,000, and those pick values were worth between $175,000 and $141,000. Okay. Um, Xavier doing. Edwards in the second round, second uh, the um, competitive balance round A, he went over slot. But the big name that has not signed yet is Ryan Weathers, the mm. first round guy. Mm. And there was some Twitter stuff going around. Apparently, he put a tweet out something <laughs> like, "Oh, ask ask the Lord for the answers." I I'm sure he's going to sign. It's just negotiating a number. Right, right. But seeing these later picks go under slot, that says that they have a little bit more money yeah. to be able to allocate toward that number one pick. Yeah, and so they might they might sign up a little bit extra money. It's it's tough, you know, having having a major league father uh, and probably giving his you know his dad giving him the choice. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's so important, I, I think, that you make that you know three million dollars is three million dollars, but getting an education just in case nothing you know it doesn't work out, you know, it, it's a tough choice. It is, especially when you see all the pictures of him in the Vandy gear, and it was on his Twitter, uh, it was Twitter profile, you know, pictures mm-hmm. of all the Vandy gear. Yes. Um, but we have to what, August to sign him? No, no, July 6th. July 6th. Okay. I've got I, I read that the other day. It was in August. And then so there's still a, a, a little over a week, 10, 12 days to, to sign him now. Um, but it's getting down to it. And you're hearing all of these final guys are signing. Right. So right. when's it going to happen? Um, I want to talk about a couple of the new signers, you know, a couple of the new kids that have done really well so far. Uh, Blake Hunt and Tri Cities. It's off to a great start in you know, 35 plate appearances, hitting 323 with a 476 and a 330, uh, 323 slash line. Good second round pick. Dealt with some nagging injuries last year, but looked good behind the plate and swinging the bat this spring. I picked up an interesting nugget from one of the uh, Mad Friars write ups. He went to the same high school that Austin Hedges went to. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Kind of Sierra, Sierra High School in San Juan Capistrano. Juniper Sarah. You, you know better than I do, but. He, he was known as being a, a good framer, a good receiver, a good defender behind the plate coming out of the draft. And now that makes sense if he's working with the same coaches coming up. Right, right. Well, let's just hope the, uh, you know, the, the bat stays. Yes. Because um, uh, last year he played in the Arizona League and he was pretty short. Uh, I saw 214, 313, 393 was his triple slash last season. So he's having a great year. But he was also dealing with injuries last year. Right. But seeing that he's off to a nice start this year, that's, that's a good sign. Absolutely. Xavier Edwards uh, in seven games. He's got 11 hits and 26 at-bats. Dude, he's six base on balls and six stolen bases in seven attempts. The guy, the guy can fly. Yeah. You know, I, I, know it's, I know it's complex ball, but you want to see these guys do well. You want to see them get off to a hot start. You want to see mm-hmm. them do – you want to see them perform and perform well. 
So I wouldn't be surprised, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, is who's moving up, who's going where. Yes. The stew will stir. The, the stew will yeah. stir. The pot will stir. We're right after the All-Star Games, too, and this is usually when you start seeing that motion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know what I want to talk about. Hmm. Adrian Morahone skipped his start. Yes, he did. And uh, Angelo Acevedo, Acevedo uh, took his place. Yeah, he came straight up from the Arizona Summer League yeah. and made a solid start in advanced single A. Yeah, well, it's just one game. Right. I didn't write down his stats. Ah. Uh, oh. It's one game, but more importantly, what and what is going on with 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 more home? They didn't say anything. They just. They really just had him start and didn't say anything about him skipping. Acevedo allowed one run through five innings before he hit a batter and gave up a home run to end his night. So, solid start for a kid. A 19-year-old, I think, called up from Tri-City. Oh, from Tri-City. Yeah, he came from Tri-City. Morahone had missed some games earlier this year. And what was it that he was... It was a neck injury. Yeah. It It was a tweaked neck, something like that. But it was funny because he got pulled... And then people, uh, who was it, Pimp Lord 619 posted <laughs> something. He posted a, a Ken Rosenthal tweet from like three years ago saying that a tw- uh, trade is in motion and the players are being notified. And then everybody started getting all whipped up before they realized that the date on there was from 2015. Yeah, tw- so, yeah Twitter's blowing up. We traded Morahone. I don't see us trading Morahone anytime soon. I, you know, if at I, all. I could see it. There's so much depth in pitching that if it was. If they wanted to trade one or two of the major league pieces and they needed to attach a minor leaguer to get a premium talent, you've got you've got so many lefties in the organization that you could move somebody. Yeah. So I'd rather Morahone than Gore. Yeah. But I it, it, anything's possible. And yeah. with Preller, you never know. So we kind of have to keep from getting too attached to these guys because really anybody's tradable. Everybody has a price. Don't say that. It's not right. I don't. <laughs> and I don't take Tatis from me. Dude, watching so many of these games, you do. You fall in love. And, and you forget that. You know, Mason Thompson's pitching in, in A-ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you forget that, uh, you know, that, that Morhone and Baez are, are pitching pretty well in advanced day. And, mm-hmm. But you see, as they as it goes up, you see the players have a better approach in double-A. You see the players have a better approach in triple-A. But that all takes time. It you does. need to give the players time to get there. It does. And all my Padre fans, you know, they're like, so we're doing we're doing pretty good. What do you think? No, we're not. You know, the, the uh, Sorry to talk about the Major League team for a minute, but um, no, we're a few years away, and I would rattle off 10 guys that we have in the minors that should be here in the next two years. I'm, I'm kind of glad that the Major League team did fall off because when they were four or five games out, people were talking about, oh, maybe there's a chance. No, there was no chance. Now yeah. they're 10 games out. <laughs> just Let's just close that conversation. Yeah. There's no need to be trying to talk about, oh, let's trade for freaking Machado. No, yeah. it's the wrong time for that. I don't want any of those. I don't want Machado, uh, and that's that. Um, big deal. Dennis Lynn came up with the article last week, and we wanted to really bring this up last week, but I want to bring it up this week uh, on the Rule 5 and who we have to protect. I mean, these next two years is huge. It's huge on who we got to put on the roster just to keep them from being picked. Yes. Um, so I've got I've got a listing here. Okay, players that are um, available for the that will be available for the Rule Five if they're not added to the roster. That according to Roster Resource are notable prospects. Yeah. 
Luis Urias, Brett Kennedy, Trey Wingenter, Austin Allen, Kyle Overstreet, Ty France, Michael Geddes, Jerry Keel, Jacob Nix, Brad Zunica, Edward Olivares, Pedro Avila, Chris Paddock, Anderson Espinoza, Hansel Rodriguez, Travis Radke, Diane Olmo, Angel Santos. At least five to ten of those guys are people that you should argue need to be protected in one way or another. Ugh. I could see somebody taking Edward Olivares and giving him a chance, yeah. at least in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. I could see somebody taking um, Trey Wingenter and putting him in the in the bullpen. Right away. Right yeah, away. Brad Zunica, they, there's a solid yeah. hitting first baseman who's made some adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, first things first. I want to, as a teachable moment, for those that may not know, the particulars of what the Rule 5 is, I'm going to read what the Rule 5 draft is and what it means. The players eligible to be selected in the Rule 5 draft fall into two categories. Those who signed their first professional contracts at 19 or older and have been, been in pro ball for four years and two, those who have signed at 18 or younger and have been in pro ball for five years. All players on a club's 40-man roster are ineligible and thus protected from being claimed by another organization. So that's one of the things about signing these guys at 17, 18. They are, comp- they are so raw. And they mm-hmm. have five years to figure it out. Yes. And with our kind of system, you know, and it talks about this, uh, you know, Preller talks about that. When, you, when you're that stacked, you're, some of that stuff's going to bleed out. Some of those pro- prospects are going to get picked up. And, you know, the day-to-day Padre fans is going to go, well, why didn't we protect Anderson Espinosa? Or why didn't we protect Luis Urias? Or, or um, you know, when there's just, I mean, it's kind of like having skittles. I and mean, you're just kind of grabbing for stuff. And some of it's going to fall out. Um, Some of it has to. Yeah. I know that's happened to the Cardinals over the last few years because that's where Luis Perdomo came from. Yeah. That's where Alan Cordoba came from. What uh, This is what Preller said on this, and this came from Dennis Lynn from The Athletic in his article. I, I clipped this out. This is a quote from uh, Preller. We'll look at each situation on an individual level. I think we want to take a lot of things into consideration. Now, here's key. Probably the biggest one is where they're at in terms of the player plan and where we feel like they're at in their development and what we feel like they can accomplish from playing more at the minor league level. Now that says it right, that they're what they can accomplish from playing more at the minor league level. Mm-hmm. Tells me a little bit there. And the player plan. Like, do they plan on moving these guys up? Do they plan on having them like sign the 40 man? Like last year, um, Javier Garrett was on 40 man and he was in Lake Elsinore. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because they need more time in the minors, that doesn't, like like you're getting to, mm. that doesn't mean they can't be on the 40-man roster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because a guy's on the 40-man doesn't mean he has to be a part of your major league picture, but what that does is it constricts things with what you can do with your with your major league roster. Because now you've got a couple <laughs> of spots that are just held up. You know, rather than having 35 guys to pick from, now you've got 28 because you're trying to keep all these minor leaguers. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. This September is going to be a big deal for the for the for the organization. It is. So then you look at the major league roster now, and granted, a bunch of, of uh, free agents are going to be gone at the end of the season. Yeah. But you've got guys like Matt Caesar that let's see where was I? I had some notes in here. Um, I mean AJ Ellis. Let's, okay, so free agents coming off the the roster: Tyson Ross, Freddie Galvis, AJ Ellis. Um, but then you've got guys like Matt Caesar, Alex Dickerson. So, by the way, the, the Rule 5 draft happens at the end of the we- winter meetings, so yeah. the first week of December. Um, after the end of the World Series, all the guys on the 60-day DL have to come. The DL dissolves, and right. those guys have to go back on the roster. So, Alex Dickerson, Javier Guerra, Walker Lockett, Colton Brewer, 
um, Rafi Lopez, Jose Perella, Brian Mitchell. And these are players that you could kind of make an argument that they're extra pieces right now as the roster stands today, not even six months from now. So, but it's going to be interesting to see the turnover that happens to add these guys. Yeah. Now, how many of them do they want to add by September? Because when the rosters expand, now you get a chance to bring them up to the major leagues and, and see, get okay, what taste, do we have? Right. So a guy like Brett Kennedy, he's not a prospect with the capital P, but he's a serviceable pitcher. He's been having a good year in AAA. Yeah. And the people have already been calling for him to come up because we need help on the, on the, the starting pitching side. Yeah, so, that rotation is pretty rough with the Johnny Hallstaff. Yes, Johnny Hallstaff's only been getting it done so so much. Yeah, so uh, well, and also just to really follow up, you know, just kind of tie that up in a little bow. We have the trade deadline, so the trade mm-hmm. deadline watch some of these guys get traded, and not necessarily you know player for player. So if yes. we trade a couple guys, throw in a few picks, maybe that are in the on the forty man, maybe the minors, um, and also on the roster on the major league roster. Um, that could open up some spaces there as well. Yes. So if we see a trade and they they need to throw in a Perella or a Caesar to make the deal work yeah. for the other team, then that opens up that roster space that you can you can do something with later. All right. So the Arizona Fall League has started. Um, God, I've been I've been watching MLB Farm a lot. Uh huh. You know, I, I, I the Arizona Summer League. Yeah. So you said Fall. The, well, the Summer League. Right. The Summer yes. League. The Arizona League. Uh, I've been MLB Farmers where I get all my information on the DSL and then the Arizona League. Uh, that's that has started, and let me pull up my notes here, and we'll find what we got here. We've seen a whole bunch of players from the draft yeah. start to show up in the summer league, as well as in uh, in Tri Cities. Yeah. So, so right, now, right now, you know, Xavier Edwards is hitting 455 with a 1.006 OPS. Uh, Jason Panetta, the 17th round pick last year, hit for the cycle and drew a walk. Yes. So Jason Panetta had a rough year last year. Yeah. Um, he's played first and third, but he's hitting 435, 548, 739. That, those are crazy numbers. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's early in a in a weird league. Yeah. You say you can't scout stat lines. I read an interesting quote here. Um, this is this was from again from one of the Mad Friars things. He said it's hard to overstate how little box scores mean in the AZL. Weird winds, tough skies, and bad lighting, concrete hard fields that lead to odd bounces, and official scoring that is often courteous to shaky defense all lead to box score lines that aren't especially representative. And there's a whole bunch more that comes into play when it comes to that. But it's still fun to look at some of the video game numbers that we see. Right, right. Post. Especially in Arizona. God, it's just like the Texas League. It's hot, the ball bounces, mm-hmm. and and if you're the, the official score at 106 degree we like, all right we're gonna give him a hit there it's kind of like my rec league mm-hmm. all right he, he didn't butcher the play it's a hit and they're not even they're not playing only in spring training fields they're playing mm-hmm. in some of the back lots as well right. right so they're playing games on fields that aren't even maintained all that well exactly um another seventh rounder Jawan harris had a pair of hits this week including his first professional homer no i love it. i love reading that you know I, I picked that up from uh from mad friar the daily report from the mad friars I love watching these guys get their first hits, the first homers, um, and just, God, get that feeling of, man, they're on their way. When you think, so he's a two-sport athlete. He played football coming up. He was playing football with Rutgers. Okay. So playing football and baseball, you think of all the time that somebody has to devote to playing football. And so now that he can devote 100% of his attention, you know, there's talent that can still be pulled out. There's development that, that's in there. Even though he's 21, 22 years old, 
you, there, there's the ceiling is is quite high with an athlete like right, that. Right, even though he's an ACL right now, and mm-hmm. at that age. So Jared Dale's playing in the summer league, uh, shortstop out of Australia. He's, yeah, he's I think he's 18. No, he's still 17. So an international signee. Um, his dad played in the majors. Angel Solarte uh, came up a double short of the cycle. Uh, he got a $300,000 signing bonus just last summer, but he's a center fielder. He's got all the tools, but his approach is starting to develop. And then one of my favorite names in the in the organization, Tucupita Marcano. You said it, not me. I, I, <laughs> he's an I'm in, not, go ahead. Go he's ahead. an infielder. Um, so the interesting thing here is that they slid Jordy Barley over to third base to make room for Marcano because his hands are so smooth. Nice. Jordy Barley is one of these guys in the group with Almansar and Justin Lopez that, oh, the, all these shortstops, but you're going to start to see him move over to slide over to third, slide over to second. And, um, real so, quick, and, and Barley, real quick, Barley's a top 30 prospect, isn't he? I don't think might he, be too top fifty. I know he's in a prospect list, and he's still in he's still in the complex. Yeah, he made it on. Uh, I think he made it on Eric um, Long and Hayden's fame drafts. One okay. went like forty seven players deep, but one hundred and sixty five pounds. You know, these kids are they're they're small, and they they have so much left to fill out, both from a body standpoint and from a, a tools you know approach standpoint. You know, and that's funny. Whenever I talk about. We have friends of mine that don't really know about the international signings. So why are we signing these kids? Thirteen, yeah, sixteen or seventeen years old from the you know from the Dominican Republic or Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, uh, not only do they have the tools, but we need to bring them to the states and feed them. Like they need to be fed well. As a pro athlete, you can't. You know, I'm sure some of these kids are just living in pretty extreme poverty. Uh, even for uh, you know a ball player in, in in some of these Latin in some of these Latin countries. But they come here not only to develop as players, but we need to, they need to grow. So, like, being in America, being with a system, you know, like, food is a miracle grow. Um, and I think it makes a big difference with nutrition and just growing up as an athlete and putting on healthy, lean muscle and, and not, you know, not just getting drafted at 20, 21, 18, you know, 18 mm-hmm. as much. Um, so, with, a poster boy for that is Luis Patino pitcher that's in Fort Wayne right now when he was drafted he was 150 pounds (laughs) dripping wet and so he's put on 35 to 40 pounds since he was signed Mm. as a 16 year old and he's added about 10 miles an hour to his velocity so when they signed him he was throwing in like the mid 80s and so you look at this kid and you go okay whatever but no you see the you see the that's that's the hard thing about being an amateur scout right. is seeing the potential for the growth in these kids right you got to so, project a lot of projections so how are you going to look at this kid in the Dominican Republic and think okay if if he puts on when he starts to fill out he's going to be throwing mid 90s yeah. i it's 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 crazy you know and he's like, he he reminds me of Pedro Martinez but that just small guy and just Ball just jumps out of his hand. Yeah, and he's got four quality pitches already. Speaking of uh, Fort Wayne, we uh, we were we were going to have a special guest, our first special guest here on Friars at the farm, Friars on the farm at the farm on the farm. Um, we're working on having Dylan Sim, Dylan Sin from uh, he's the beat writer for the Tin Caps for the Journal Gazette. Uh, we were going to have him on today and in interview him, but we cannot. We are technologically <laughs> Um, challenged. Uh, we're working on it, so we're going to hopefully get that done this week. And next week, we'll have an interview with him and get some firsthand uh, firsthand knowledge from uh, from Dylan from Fort Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Fort Wayne, yeah, you know, we have 
three starting pitchers in the top 10 in ERA. Nick Margavicius, uh, 3.09. I said that right. Margavicious. Margavicious. Yeah. Mar- Maybe I didn't. I think it's something like that. <laughs> we'll get the story from Dylan next week. Right. And we'll have him spell it out phonically. Um, Aaron Lesher is ranks eighth. So uh, 2.77. Ranks fourth. Sorry. Uh, Margavicious ranks eighth. With a 3.09, uh, Aaron Lesher with a 2.77 ERA, ranks fourth. Osvaldo Hernandez, 2.25, ranks second. They're not even top 30 prospects, and those guys are, are dealing in A ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, uh, that's, you know, the, the wealth of our talent is in pitching. It is. I say this every episode, and that's where we're going to be able to use those. When we need them, we'll be able to trade from a position of strength mm-hmm. and not miss. We've got like eight solid starting left-handed pitching. Yeah, Mark Avishis is one of them. Right. And Lesher, in his last 19 innings, has allowed just two earned runs while he struck out 23. Yeah. And the guy's just dominant. It's it's impressive. I, I wish it was a little bit closer so that we could get out there, but Fort Wayne is a, a long drive from here. It is. <laughs> And uh, we can't, my, my wife won't let me take, vac- well, we haven't taken vacation there uh, yet, but. I want to visit someday. Well, I hear that their ballpark is one of the nicest ones in the minors. Second year in a row that Parkview Field has won best minor league ballpark experience. It's a beautiful, you watch the games, you're like, wow, it's a major league field. It's beautiful. You know, you watch some of the, you watch some of the games and you're like, wow, is that, is, is that like a high school field? You know, the grass mm-hmm. is bad and it just, it looks gorgeous. So we're hoping to have Dylan here next week. I'm going on to uh, you know a little bit following up with uh, with Fort Wayne. You know Mason Thompson continues to show improvement with each start. Today he struck out a season high. This is not today. This is uh, Sunday. Uh, struck out a season high seven hitters. Tercel and Ellis continues to just have a strong June, hitting 300, 400, and a 583 slash line for the month. Um, I think he got two hits today. He's one of the youngest players in the league. Oh man, he he. Uh, he makes my mouth water. And obviously, I'm sorry, Gabriel Arias has uh, the light-hitting excellent fielder, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Arias, has been heating up. Mm-hmm. This last eight games is hitting 281 with 329 and a 375 for the month, uh, posting a 508 OPS in May, after posting a 508 uh, in May. And the glove is supposed to be his calling card. Uh, have you seen him play? It's, he is so smooth. It's poetry. It's poetry. And that he throws deep from the... 5.5 hole and throw strikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just it, it's if the bat and he got he's 18. I mean, he played almost full year last year in Fort Wayne, full year in ABL this year as a 17 year old. Now he's playing his first complete full season in I think he came about uh, a third of the way in uh, in Fort Wayne last year uh, in his first full season and he's still only 18. So the gloves there, the bat will come. That's right. I think he backfilled when Tatis went up. Yep. Yeah. San Antonio. Yes. Yeah, so now, one interesting angle that I've heard in, in some of these chats and, and conversations with, with scouts and the, the you know, um, contact hitters coming up to the major leagues and how the ball plays in the majors, that there there seems to be a shift away from, from power numbers in the minors to guys that have the plate discipline, the strike zone command, the contact skills, because if you're a line drive hitter in the minors – that live ball and the the increased velocity from the pitching yeah. 
the the power is going to come. Right. And right. somebody like um, Ozzy Albies, who's all of a sudden he was he's near the league leaders. He was never a power hitter coming up. He's got like seventeen home runs. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's got crazy numbers. Yeah, and he was never a power hitter before. So this gives me hope for guys like Urias, and then. Tirsor Nelas is another one of these guys that seems to have the elite kind of command, the the contact skills and the strike zone discipline. So if he's going to be a line drive hitter through his minor league career, not hitting a ton of power, I'm okay with that. Yeah. If that means when he makes that final step, all of a sudden the ball's going to start launching a little bit yeah. more. Doubles in the gap to home runs. Um, I know what I want to talk about. Huh. So I had a conversation early, well, a Twitter conversation with uh, – with someone on Twitter who had who had mentioned that, that Luis Urias has changed his swing. Yes. Now, um, that's Pog Langford. Uh huh. And uh, he he and I didn't I didn't know anything. But what he did is he put up a picture of of Urias in in, a, in the AZL and then a snapshot of him in AAA. Uh huh. Now the the first picture with him in the AZL and AZL was a couple of years ago, obviously. Um, has a shorter stride, and his foot is just you know a few, like a foot off the ground. Mm-hmm. It's compact. And the next picture of him in AAA, and once again, this is just a snapshot of a swing. And how many swings does a player make in an at bat? His leg is really high. His numbers are almost facing the pitcher, and he's coiled up a little overcoiled, mm-hmm. um, which made me think that perhaps he's trying to you know. Raise that leg and coil up a little bit too much. That lengthens his swing, and that's why he's only hitting two sixty. That could be. He's. I was looking at his season, and he's. It's like every two weeks he becomes a different player. Yeah. He's been hot, cold, hot, cold. Right. The strikeout rate's been up versus previous years. The walk rate's been about the same, but when he's pulling the trigger, he's not making as much contact, and that would that would explain it. Right. But we've seen that big leg kick show up. So. Austin Hedges, Hunter Renfro, Travis Jankowski, they all seem to develop this high leg kick. And then at some point, they've they have worked a lot of that back out of it. Like yeah. Jankowski this yeah. year, he's gone back to a bit of more of a foot tap. Yeah. And his contact rate has gone back up after. So I, I don't want to read too much into it. Right. Because who knows what they're playing with. Maybe they're trying right. to exaggerate some things so that when he normalizes and kind of finds a happy medium – then some of that power remains while he's still making a making a bunch of contact and hitting for good average. Right, and, and you know, in the beginning of the year he was tearing it up, and so it seems that like it, it is that it has tapered off. His you know his, his his strikeouts have picked up. The walks are still there, but the strikeouts are more than the than the walks. Um, he's still trying to figure it out. And once again, it's just a snapshot. It was just a thought, but it made me think that um, maybe there is something to that. Maybe. But when you have somebody with that kind of elite skill, that elite talent, yeah. it's it's gonna it's gonna remain. He'll work through it. Yeah. He knows what works for him. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna work with the coaches, but if you're a smart enough hitter, then you can communicate yourself back. Yeah. And so I'm sure that when when we see him come up, whether it's sooner or later, um, he's gonna hit when he comes up. It's it's not gonna be one of these disappointments where I mean, like Austin Hedges that year that he hit 350 in AAA and then. Then oh yeah I forgot he's really a 200 hitter that's about all he's going to be and he didn't hit anywhere else in the minors no no you see these peaks in AAA yeah. and well, that's that's El Paso for you yeah 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 that West Texas wind <laughs> uh, speaking of West West Texas um, Chris Paddock let's talk about him again 
Did you see what the Kept Faith did about his Instagram? They've got this running stream of where they analyze somebody's Instagram and then they grade it at the bottom. And so they take a bunch of looks, look at a bunch of pictures. No. And so they went through Paddock's Instagram and it was an A plus with flying colors, the best grade they've ever given anybody. He's got pictures of him in this amazing suit with the long tails and the cowboy hat. That's and the, start, yeah, that's start, that's yeah, start and strut. There's one of him in like one of these camping stores where he's got some armadillo hat on. <laughs> I mean, and the food shot, he's got them all. Yeah, and I just can't wait to see this guy pitch. Um, you still haven't seen him? I still have not seen him. I haven't been able to get up there on the day that he's pitching either. He pitched earlier this week. He yeah. matched a season high with one walk. And he four innings completed four innings. He's on a pitch count, so they're you know they're keeping the pitch count intact. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it's funny, David. Oh, did I fail to mention that he had nine batters struck out by the fourth inning? Yeah, that's been his normal stat line: eight to ten strikeouts, four innings pitched, zero or one walks. I mean, at some point, he's got to just wear it out there in in single A. Yeah, they've got to call him up soon. So let's talk about that. Let's let's let's, let's talk about. Who's moving up? Because all the All Star games are done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure when they start making those moves, but it should be pretty soon where players are starting to move up. Yes. So in Double A, so we're talking about pitchers. Paddock's yeah. got to go up to Double A. Yeah. Double A has a five man rotation. Lake Elsinore has six, six. players. So somebody's got to leave the Double A rotation to make that spot. Cal Quantrill. He's he's had it now. He's been he hasn't been standing out like Logan Allen as far as the box right. score says, but he had a rough start and then his last few starts have been really good. There was a really nice article in the Athletic by Dennis Lynn. Uh, Quantrill was talking about pitch efficiency, working deep into games, preparing as a big league pitcher versus a minor league pitcher, um, mixing his curveball in. But he also talked about getting mo- motivation from Lauer and Lucchese, who were kind of his classmates. Yeah. They were drafted in the same draft. Lucchese and Lauer are now in the bigs. It would make sense that Quantrill would move up to the triple A to, to, to El Paso to make room. Yeah, I read the same article. I, I uh, and I, I just love the professionalism of that guy. Quantrill, he's not worried about anything other than just getting better. Yes, and and he's not. He doesn't care about the numbers. He doesn't. He doesn't need 15 strikeouts in an you know in in, in an outing. Um, he wants to be a better pitcher. So disregard some of those five. Like I think the article said, hey, copper's worth. Um, the article said that it was right before he had three games of five innings, uh, five, only five innings. Yes. But I think the games before that, he had done like three seven-inning games in a row. Mm-hmm. He takes was, a lot of pride in yeah. working seven or eight innings into a game. And uh, so when he comes up, we don't want him to come up and just be kind of still kind of working on stuff and developing. We want him and to be like a back into the rotation we want him to come up and we want him to do well mm-hmm. and and i think that's what the organization wants him to do that's just me thinking out loud um it's not rush these guys we don't need you know if he gets a call up by the end of the year if he gets a couple starts just to kind of get his feet wet you know kind of like when they bring some of these kids into the spring training camp you know for the big league camp like tatis mm-hmm. just to give them a feeling of what it looks like to be you know in the show with major leaguers so um now, he's also one of the older guys on that roster, I, it, which is kind of funny to say because they're all so young for the, for the league. Uh, but he is one of the younger uh, pitchers in that, in that rotation. Let's see. I'm, slick, I'm paging down. So Quantrill, Logan Allen, Jerry Keel, Lake Bacar, Jacob Nix. Jacob Nix is another guy who I could see getting a call up. 
Uh, Logan Allen's 21, and yeah. he just turned 21. Cal Quantrill's almost 23. Jacob Nix is 22 and a half. Yeah. So you have to look at the age as well. Um, I mean, Logan Allen is still developing. Quantrill is kind of where he's been. He's right. he's just he's getting healthy. He's getting back up to strength to be able to pitch a full the full workload. Right. But he seems like he's ready to go. Copper, what's wrong? You crying for mama? Hold on, we are having a copper moment. <laughs> exactly, and and to uh, and to reiterate what I what kind of tie up what uh, the thought came to me just now on Udius. Was this, you know, so you, now you're seeing, you know, this isn't double A. You know, El Paso, with, with the with the fast fields, you're seeing major league hitters. You're seeing major, so you're seeing major league pitchers. Mm-hmm. You're seeing guys on rehab. You're seeing guys that, you know, that are, are 4A players. Like, you're seeing the highest caliber before you see the bigs. Mm-hmm. So, alarming as it is to have him hit 260 in AAA after having so much success before, it's okay that he is, you know, because he. This is maybe what it'll look like once he gets up to the majors. Um, you know, they uh, they throw a little. The major leagues is a whole other level, but I think this is maybe a snapshot of what we could expect to see in the major leagues. I think that's reasonable. I just I, that thought came into my head, and I wanted to say that. Well, and you made me think <laughs> about about Quantrill. So Quantrill's not an overpowering, dominant, strikeout kind of a guy. He's not Noah Syndergaard, where he's going to go out there and run 100 past you all day. Right. He pitches to weak contact. He's somebody who relies on location, changing speeds, changing eye levels. So when he goes up to AAA and he faces those guys that are rehabbing or that have spent time in the minors, now they're to, or the majors, they're trying to work the way back up, they understand sequencing. They know how the pitcher is going to try to attack him. Right. So now he needs to develop that part of the game. It's the mental side of it with him. So I could see him spending time in AAA to get that exposure versus somebody like um, Nick Margavicious. If right. he was in AA and putting up the numbers, or Chris Paddock, if he was putting up the numbers that he's putting up now in AA, you say that stuff that he's got, you can plug that into a major league, put him in the bullpen maybe, right. and he'll be successful. But if he's a pitcher like Eric Lauer who relies on you know location, location. And, and, and control so much more, it's not going to be such a direct translation because they really know. They already know. I, I've never seen you, but I know you. I know how you're going to pitch me. Right. I know you're going to try to put a pitch right here, and I'm just going to sit on it. And that's what happened to Lauer the first few times. <laughs> it's nice that he's yeah. made the adjustment. Yeah. And watching and having, you know, going back to the article with Dennis Linden, having Cal see them succeed and struggle at the same time, you know, have make those adjustments, knowing that that's what's coming. Come on, Copper. Hold on, we got another copper moment here. Copper is a seventy-pound baby. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Our, uh, our our significant others are in the other room uh, recording their podcast, and we were recording in the kitchen. Yeah, hell's bells going on next door, and Copper can't figure out who he wants to hang out with. Moving on, so so that's double A. See Cal come up to 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 triple A. Uh huh. That's going to open the spot. I don't think you know going back down to Fort Wayne. Because that's kind of where it all starts. Is I don't see Nick Margovich's making. There's nothing else he needs to prove there. You know, Osvaldo Hernandez once again with age too. I think he's 22. Um, Margovich's is 22. Osvaldo Hernandez is 20, but he's an international guy. He's been in professional ball a little bit longer. He's from Cuba. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Margovich's and Aaron Lesher are the two senior men of that. Of that staff, they're both 22 years old, so I could see one or both of them Moving making up. that move up. Move up. 
So that brings us to my phone was beeping for some reason. I have Might no have been idea. My phone, who knows? Is it okay? <laughs> this is a live podcast, folks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that takes us to, to Lake Elsinore. Yes. So you move up Chris Paddock. Um, who else could go from from Lake Elsinore? I don't see Baez. I don't see I Baez moving up. Baez, Baez is, mo- is working on stuff. He's working on a lot. Right. Reggie Lawson is working on things. Maybe Pedro Avila. I mean, Pedro Avila is problem to me when I when I've watched him because I've seen a couple of his starts. I just seem to line up when when he's on the mound. Right. He starts off strong and then he tails off. But the 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 repertoire that he has, the command that he has, it works well when he's feeling good and he's locked in. So it's when he gets to that second, third time through the rotation that he starts to tail off. And I think it has more to do with stamina than anything. So I could see him maybe being the guy. But I don't know. Outside of Paddock, it, I, I have a hard time seeing any of those guys really moving up. Austin yeah. Smith just got sent down. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah, I did. And that's um, that's sad. You know, I, I, we, It's unfortunate, but it needed to happen because yeah. he hasn't been good. So it's, it's interesting to see these domino effects that filter through the, the system somebody moves like that so on the position player side though austin allen and josh naylor have been absolutely crushing it in double a yeah so what now with austin allen he's if he moves up to triple a you've got I mean, we just sent rafi lopez down right reboss um, i think is the catcher there in triple a let's see it's, i'm scrolling up to the triple a part you got brent nichols and, and stephen mcgee Rivas okay. is in double A. Okay. So Brett Nicholas has been spending time at first base, splitting time with um, Alan Craig, but he's been hitting the cover off the ball all season. Stephen McGee is kind of the odd man out. He's and they're all older guys, not really prospects anymore. But I, I, I think Austin Allen might be one of these guys that gets called up in September. I Interesting. He leapfrog triple A. Well, he's going to be eligible for the Rule Five draft, and. Lefty bat that has been absolutely killing it. So why not call him up? Have him spend a month with the big league club. Give him a few chances to see what he can do. Play him at catcher. Play him at first a little bit just to give him a taste. It'll also you know it'll also ease um, Austin Hedges' workload. But down the road, I would love to see Austin Hedges, Austin Allen as the combo. The Austin. The Austins <laughs> behind the plate. Because Austin Allen, he's a left-handed. He's slugger. He's yeah. Where. Hedges is the defensive guy. There's kind of a good mix there where you could see the guy on the off day or you right. back up late in the game. Um, Austin Allen's numbers, he leads the he leads uh, league in home runs, 15. He leads the league in doubles, 24. Slugging percentage of 582. And total base is 153. It's insane, the year that he's been having. So Josh Naylor, now earlier I was talking about contact hitters and the, the power coming with the, with the live ball. He's been hitting for average. He started off hitting for a bunch of power. Yeah. Now that power's gone away quite a bit as we've gone into the season. Maybe he's starting to get tired. I don't know. The fatigue right, of a right. long season. Pitching starting to get um, warmed up, and you guys are getting mid-season. Mm-hmm. Mid-season road. But he's known for being able to control the strike zone and hitting for a lot of contact. So you get a guy that big who can square up on a ball, the power is going to come eventually. Yeah. So th- what do you do within uh, Alan Craig? I you know when when they signed him he felt like an ins- a, uh, injury insurance kind of a guy. Absolutely. If if Hosmer happened to get hurt and was going to have to go on the sixty day DL, he's going to miss half the season. You, maybe you don't want to bring Will in and put him at first base for the rest of the season. Then that's when you bring Alan Craig in. You know, and then he would feel like a um, 
like Brett Wallace from a couple years ago. That kind of the backup on the backup defensive, you know, the the bench guy. But so I I could see Alan Craig, Stephen McGee, Dusty Coleman, Shane Peterson, these kinds of guys maybe getting released midseason if if they don't get a chance to come up to the bigs. Right. And if you've got guys coming up underneath them that are going to push them out of the way. And on the outfield side, I'm, I'm not – you don't move Michael Geddes up. Um, uh-uh. And Ty France is older. I don't see – he's having a nice season, but I don't know if he gets moved up. But Buddy Reed's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And he's still hitting. Let me look at my storm. Let me look at my storm notes. Uh, he hit his 11th homer of the year. He has 36 extra base hits. He's leading the circuit with a 331 batting average. His batting average is 100 points higher than what he hit in Fort Wayne. Um, he swiped his 32nd base of the year, nine more than anybody else in the league. Um, I got 11 homers. His 11 home runs this season <laughs> are only three short of surpassing his total from college and his minor league careers combined. Yeah. yeah. I, it's just an explosion. And there's no sign of him slowing down. So why keep him in single A? you got to challenge the guy. Yeah, 36, see if it's real. Yeah. 36 extra bases. Um, why don't we go back to Naylor real quick. Although the power is down, and I have it written in my notes, he's still he's he's tied the homers that he had this time last year. No, of all last year, I think he has seven homers, and he has a, he has tied. Let me see if I can find it here real quick, ladies and gentlemen. Well, he has just three home runs in his last forty-seven games, and he hasn't produced an OPS higher than seventy seven thirty-two in the last two months. And that OPS is held up by the on base, not by the power. Right. He has already equaled his home run total from last year. And we still have half, you know, over a half season to go. Yeah. So it's a long season. So it's there. It's there. It's, it's where, where do you, the, That was the knock of coming into the season was when is he going to translate this raw power into right. game power? Right. I guess in batting practice he'll put on a show. Yeah. But then once so the game I. is on, now he starts having <laughs> weak ground balls. and Yeah. <laughs> Well, the funny I should say that real quick. We, you know, I had uh, the boys from the five point five a while back. Um, we got together. Those guys play rec. Danny and Eric they play rec ball, and and I and I let them know I played rec ball. And we came out for a batting practice session, and I can I can crush. I'm like Ruben Rivera on soft toss. I can crush when it comes to soft toss. Game time, I can do okay, but you know, if I know it's coming, I can really drive the ball. Yeah, you know, we had those guys over here. Angela and I had them over here on our Work in the Count podcast, and they did have some nice things to say about you. They, you, you raised yeah. some eyebrows in the batting cage. Right, and then the one game Eric shows up, you know, I popped out three times. I didn't get a hit. It's like, ah. And then he mentioned it on the podcast. Like, oh, that guy sucks. Hey, yeah. we're, we're starting up a softball team. Have you heard? I have. I work Tuesdays. Well, we're going to have to talk to your, uh, your manager about your schedule. <laughs> I absolutely would love to play with those guys and everyone on Padres Twitter. Who knows? It'll it'll come together one way or another. So what else we got? Um, Ty France, he was hit by a pitch for the 22nd time this season. He set his career high of 28 when he played for Fort Wayne and Lake Elsinore in 2016. <laughs> he's been I, I've been trying to keep track of how many times he's been hit by a pitch versus walks and strikeouts. So he's got 22 hit by a pitch, 20, 26 walks, and 42 strikeouts. It's just absurd. I mean, he's got to be just standing on top of the plate to get hit that much. You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what. It, I don't know what it is with guys. Are is he standing on top of standing on top of the plate, or they just they try to bust him inside and he just gets hit? It doesn't look like that. Mm. 
I love when an umpire calls a batter out for not getting out of the way of a pitch. Yeah. There was an article on Fangraphs about this, and they and it was like this umpire did the best thing ever. Read the article. So I opened it up, and you see the batter, and he kind of dips his elbow down and in, and catches it right off the tip of his elbow. And the umpire puts his hands up and points down at the plate, like "Get back yeah. in the box, young man." You don't see that often enough. No, and Chase Utley, you can see him all the time. He leans that elbow in, leans it in. Uh huh. And he gets hit, and but he gets the call because he's Chase freaking Utley. It's not, I mean, Craig Biggio got legitimately hit. I don't know why, how he got hit so much. He did not lean into pitches. He took so many balls to the ribs. But uh, yeah, Chase Utley just get off, off, and they're wearing this big armor now. So who cares? I'll take ninety miles an hour to the elbow. It, right. You're wearing a freaking <laughs> with a towel guy's elbow guard. I don't know the. Let's move on. Yes. Uh, I want to bring in a new segment here. Uh, it's under development. It's called the Major League Minute, where we talk about players that have, you know, that are either on the roster or coming off the roster for the Major League team. Um, everyone knows that Fermil Reyes and Rafael Lopez were just sent back down. That was last week. Uh, but this week, um, they, sent, they brought up Robert Stock, mm-hmm. who had a phenomenal spring training. And I was surprised that he didn't start on the team. He was doing so well. Um, Sent down Phil Maton, and it was Rafi and Phil. Uh, let's see, Kazmakita came up. Yeah, Kazmakita. Um, Tyler Webb was designated for assignment, so that was to make room on the AAA team um, and on the 40-man roster for Robert Stock. And um, the, it was uh, Lyles going on the DL. Okay. Lyles went on the 10-day DL with some sort of a forearm something or other. Forearm soreness. Which often is a precursor yeah. to... Yeah, and don't say those words. I'm not going to say I, I, He's throwing already. They Apparently, it's just a precautionary thing. Who knows? Don't get too excited. But, yes, Robert Stock came up, made his Major League debut, and the, when he raised eyebrows was back in spring training, yeah. against, to, comes to mind is against the Cubs when he struck out... Um, Rizzo. Rizzo and Bryant. Bryant. And I think Contreras, or it was somebody else. It was the heart of their order, and he just made him look silly. Well, he throws gas. He's a 100 miles an hour guy. He is, but he wasn't at the end of last season. And his, his story is amazing. He was a catcher. They converted him to – the Cardinals converted him to a pitcher, and then he just could never find his command. Hmm. He wound up playing in the International League, and then he was kind of a lost soul for a little bit. This offseason, he goes out, he gets a net, a radar gun, and a display, and just starts working on velocity. With the thought that if you build up your lower half, you build up the velocity, then once you get to 11, you can dive back. <laughs> right. And then you can get the command. Rather than trying to throw as hard as you can to hit right. 94, now all of a sudden he's hitting 101 on the radar gun. So, okay, you go out there and try to throw 96, 97 with movement. And accurate. And you can start to command it a little bit. Uh, he was the closer for the for the um, the, yeah, the Chihuahuas and phenomenal. I think he 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 um, saved eight of nine games, yeah. finished several games uh, with fantastic numbers for for AAA. So this uh, for for major league numbers went in a two thirds innings pitch. He got three strikeouts. He's got a four point five uh, four five point four ERA. Um, but just I, I'm glad he's up there and he's going to figure it out. And he's another one of those that weren't. Him, Castillo, Stock, um, Phil Maton when he's on. Um, well, Wingenter. Wingenter. I'm a big fan of Wingenter, and I don't know. I keep saying he's going to be our closer in the future. 
He's now you talk about command issues though. Oh my gosh. Right. When he's on, he is just dominant, but when he's he gets so wild. But yeah. he's what, six foot ten? Yeah. Like seven five. He's like twelve feet tall. Insane, insane size. But TJ Weir, Eric Yardley. Now Carter Caps is he's Children. now working in the AZL. Apparently he keeps tweaking his uh, his his delivery. He's in Tri Cities. Or Tri Cities. Yeah, so now he's on a rehab assignment, and I think they have up to 60 days for him. Where were I had him here in my notes somewhere? Okay, I didn't have him. I didn't have him down because uh, I didn't want him blowing any games for Tri City. <laughs> uh, Carter Caps. Oh yeah, I don't have the information about when he has to come off the the DL, uh, but he's allowed just two base runners over his last five innings while striking out six. But He's in Tri-City, so you know, you're facing rookie-level ball competition. Right. He better be able to blow him away. Yeah. Um, but well, that, that surprised me so much real quick. When, he, when the, the Tri-City guys, the, the they came back, they got the lead. Carter Camps comes in, gives up the lead. I mentioned that last podcast, but I just wanted to mention it again. But the point is that there are a bunch of good relievers, Rowan Wick, Trevor McGill, Gerardo Reyes, that – aren't too far away. So if they were to trade away Brad Hand and Kirby Yates yep. and Craig Stammen, there's room to backfill that. Yeah. Right now you've got this dominant bullpen on a team that's going nowhere. Yeah. So what good does do all of these solid veteran relievers do you when you're really not winning games isn't part of the process. I, yeah, you need to learn how to win games. You right. need the players to learn how to grind out at bats and move runners over and all this stuff. But you don't need a shutdown bullpen when you don't care if you win 90 games or 60 games. When you're in 10 games under 500, which brought me to this idea. So last, last time I saw Robert, the stock pitch, he, he got a couple guys on. I think he got one or two outs. Then they took him out. Now, how are you going to develop a guy when, when you take him out when he needs to learn the most? Uh-huh. Like, I was, you know, the Major League Minute is turning into several Major League Minutes. But when you want to learn a, a guy to develop in the Major League level... You keep him in there. And live or die, I know Andy Green's trying to coach, trying to win the game, but you leave him in there to figure it out. I, I think the game that you're talking about, though, he had pitched back-to-back nights. Okay. That was his second game in the bigs. I was He came in the night that he got called up in San Francisco, and cool. But you figure with all the adrenaline and everything going, his fan, his dad was there and his fiance was there. Girl, yeah. But then the next night, you figure there's... You need you need fresh arms. The bullpen's been taxed, so yeah, put the guy out there. But if he maybe he looked like he just didn't have it. Okay. So you, know, um, you can't wear the guy out, and I think that was the reason why that why they sent uh, Maton back down because he came up. They used him a bunch and sent him down because our pitching staff just can't seem to get through a game without wearing guys out. So that's the major league minute in several minutes. But I like I think it's a new thing. We'll be I think we'll be talking about a lot of these guys coming up. Maybe we need to get one of those uh, hourglass. Right. We'll, you know, see the sand as the sun goes through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. So are the days of the minor leagues. Andres Munoz, hundred miles an hour. Apparently, something good happened in the Padres game, and Hell's Bells are yelling at us, but I can't hear him through the soundproof glass. Um, Andres Munoz. 100-mile-an-hour, 18-year-old kid from Mexico. Uh, he's in Tri-Cities, pitched another four outs. He hasn't given up a run. He has yet to allow a hit in five and two-thirds <laughs> innings. He struck out nine against two walks. There were concerns about his arm health. Apparently, right. he's got one of these high-stress kind of deliveries. 
Um, they're trying to smooth that out earlier this season in extended spring training. There was concern about the health of his arm, mm-hmm. but he's back throwing gas. So, knock on wood, well, he's we, good. We were both at the at the Futures game, uh, the Padres on deck game, and he came in and pitched. Mm-hmm. And he's he's only 6'1", I think. Yeah, he's not a big guy. And he's just throwing BBs. But it's very violent delivery. Much like, well, not in comparison to, but Jake Peavy, a guy like Jake Peavy, okay. had a very, like, that arm's not going to last long mm-hmm. with the violence of his delivery. Um, PV made it though. I don't he, think PV ever. PV's arm never blew out, did it? Never blew out, and he got injured right after. I think we traded him to the White Sox. Um, yeah, and it was shoulder issues more than more than elbow. That's right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because there was talk when, after that. Even some of the national writers were talking about maybe having him play in the majors, like that, like his like his that pitch the hundred miles an hour plays doesn't matter what division you are. So they need he needs to move up as well. So if you want to talk about continuing moving up, like he's going to do nothing but blow guys away that are in April, you know, that well, are in short season. It's not a straight fastball. That's what they say about it, is that it's got life. So it's like Jordan Hicks, okay. who's I mean he's throwing 105. It's a whole different thing. But you watch when one gets away from Jordan Hicks and it's got a foot of movement sideways, and it's it's crazy. So uh, to to I got to take care of of Angela here, Dan Dallas has pitched every third day for the Dust Devils. He struck out 12 hitters in eight total innings and allowing just one run. Um, he didn't get out of instructionals last year. He was in, in Arizona all summer. Um, I met Dan at spring training, so you know I, I got a little spot in my heart for the guy. He's a good guy. Well, I love Tri-Cities. I, I, love, watch, I love listening to the games. I need to look up what the elevation of there. I know there's a lot of high country out in central Washington. I wonder what the elevation of that stadium is and if that comes into play. Ah, I'm just thinking out loud. Interesting. Well, that's that about it. Do you got anything else? Oh, man. I've got pages of preparation here. Stat Lord Lord podcast. (laughs) Um, Alan Cordoba has been with the Storm for two weeks as he recovers from a concussion. Um, He's been striking out a ton, but he's been moving well in the field. Um, In spring training, he he was having trouble walking. That's how bad Mm. his concussion symptoms were. So um, he, uh, let's see. Does he have it on there? His 20 days are almost up, yeah? Yes, his 20-day rehab assignment will end after Sunday when the club will presumably have to activate him from the 60-day disabled list and option him out. But when they option him out, what level is he going to go to mm-hmm. and how are they going to make room on that roster? And it's, it's, it's crazy, all the shuffling of, I can imagine the, the board that they must have somewhere yeah. to analyze. Do you ever watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No. There was this one episode where Charlie Day's character was going off on this thing, and he had the, the he had this wall just covered in like post-it notes and thumbtacks and all of this, and there's lines and string going every right. which way, and he's got these sunken eyes, and he's crazy talking about Pepe Silvia and trying to deliver the mail. That's the and gift it, on Twitter, right? Yeah, and it yeah. Imag- that's what I imagine this room being, where they've got all of these minor leaguers and trying to figure out where to find a spot for them all. And it's not just what level, it's what age they are. And right. and the the culture of the staff that you've got a guy like Edwin Rodriguez up in up in uh, Lake like Elsinore, Elsinore, who's he's from Puerto Rico. He ran the Puerto Rican Academy. He has a career in developing Latin players. Right. So then you put a guy like Javier Guerra there, you handcuff him to him and say, teach this kid how to be a major league ball player. Right. But maybe in double A, you don't have the same kind of personnel that can work with, you know, there's, there's the exactly. demographics, there's the culture, there's so much that goes into where you put people. And also the players that they're with. 
you, if if players have a history together, maybe you keep them together. If they have a bad history together, maybe you need to keep them apart. Well, that goes, you know, and that goes something I wanted to talk about Dylan next week is you see the pictures of the guys in Fort Wayne. They're always together on the field, farting around. And like a couple weeks ago, there was the the dance off that I think the yes. the, 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 the tin caps Jason Rosario doing the backflip. Yeah, doing the backflip, and then I you know I don't know one of the uh, you know one of the American players kind of tried to do a, a juke with a with a break dance move. And I, think that, I think that was one of the coaches. Oh, okay, oh, you're right. You're right. Watch this. Watch this. And uh, but, and that goes a long way. The the, the chemistry and just them being friends. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I mean because you. When you look at organizations, and the Royals are a good example of this, that they had all of these players come up together. Hosmer, Moustakas, um, 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 Dyson, uh, Lo, uh, Lomo, uh, not Lomo. The, the catcher. Lokane. Lokane. And then Lokane. you got Sal Perez. Sal Perez, yeah. These guys all kind of came up through the minor leagues together. They all bubbled up. And so then we were looking at, okay, we have Hedges and Renfro and Margot. And Aswahe, and they all came up. And then Spangenberg was on the same team for a good chunk of the time. And Jankowski, yeah. that, okay, yeah, they're going to cultivate this 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 chemistry together. There's got to be something to that. So maybe having Austin Allen and Josh Naylor, maybe they are a good kind of tag team. Maybe they work well off each other. Maybe right. they're helping each other be successful. Well, Lauer and Lucchese and Quantrill. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it. I, I follow a lot of these guys on Instagram and social media. Uh, you see it in uh, with Morahone, Baez. I can't remember the other, but another one of the Cuban pitchers. They're just always together with the girls at the fair. You know, in the off season, you always see them. They're still together, and it's not even baseball season. I love seeing the pictures of Urias and Framil Reyes. Those yeah. two guys are always in pictures together, and Urias is is five nine. You know, standing on a phone book, <laughs> and then <laughs> Framil can barely fit inside my house. But they're they're buddies. They're always yeah. chumming it up. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that's, and I love, and that's going to create winning. You know, it's going to, the players are going to push each other. They're going to want to do better. They're not going to want to fail. And uh, that creates a better team and it creates a better pod race. And then with that, I think, I think we're done. I, next time I'm going to bring a lot more prep. I mean, I still got seven pages <laughs> of, of each affiliate, but we're trying to get away from me reading box scores. Oh, and I went a little too far on the prep. I'm flipping back and forth on everything. We'll figure it out. Uh, but, next week, we hope to have Dylan. But making the Padres fun and successful, that's what this yeah. is all about. And yeah. so it's neat watching. I've talked to people from other teams, and they're like, oh, well, what are you watching this year with the Padres? I'm like, yeah, I want to see Hosmer do well. I want to see players develop. But I'm keeping an eye on the minors. Yeah. This, this is the future. Yeah. I believe the children are our future. The friars Te- on Teach the them farm. well and let them lead the way. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Adua, thank you very much. Go Padres. See My you. name is Roy. You can find me on Twitter at Zippy underscore TMS or on Gaslamp Ball. My name is Donovan Jones. I am SD Donovan on Twitter. Thank you very much. Have we'll- a good day.